0: have a word of prayer for camp, please. Father, thank you for the chance to be together with the girls and the boys this morning. ask your blessing upon camp. Make it just a great experience Uh, for all the kids that will be there. There will be lots and lots of kids there. Uh, Thank you for the care of the counselors for our camp that will be there, watching over them, keeping them safe and well. We commit the uh, camp to you, Father, and thank you for the provision of Chautauqua, and of the Splash Camp. The speaker is excellent. The kids will really enjoy him. And just pray your blessing upon the entire time. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for you guys to go to your classes now. Now, with Barb Major here, uh, Barb knows uh, some of what we went through up at Upper Peninsula Bible Camp this summer. And... I was a part of that adventure that took place, and that is that the uh, COVID virus got to us a lot up there. Staff, counselors, campers, director, speaker, all of those things uh, were together uh, there at camp. I think we lost almost 18% of the kids out of the boys' camp, so that was out of 110 campers. So quite a few boys went home, uh, the director, Got sick. He and I had a very important conference on Sunday. I think that's where I got COVID. (laughs) And so down here, I followed all of the CDC directions, and uh, I'm thankful that I'm feeling better. Still still tired, but uh, much better than I was. And just looking forward to uh, sharing with you all today. If you can, go back in your mind to the time uh, when you were a child with us this morning. And the purpose of this is to not tell you what's going to happen at the splash camp. This would be more of what I would be doing at camp. And the uh, gentleman that's there, this time he's a ventriloquist. He's, I believe he uses balloons. I think he, I know he has puppets and he has other effects that he brings to the boys and girls. There are some exciting things that the kids will be able to do at the, camp at Chautauqua that uh, would not be available at Kirkwood camp, and so I think they will have just a wonderful time. But the purpose of this morning is to get us in the aspect of prayer for the camp. It's only a day camp. It's only an overnight camp if the Spirit of God is not at work in the minds and hearts of the children. And so we want to be praying for that, for spiritual power for the speaker. And then for especially the counselors, Romans 12:1, present your body a living sacrifice is absolutely true on a Thursday morning of camp for any of these counselors and their work and their dedication, their commitment to the Lord and to the fellas and girls that they have at camp and watching over them and taking care of them. It's just extraordinary how I admire all of the camp counselors. The theme that uh, I had developed for camp this year is something that has concerned me. It's concerned me for a while, for a period of time. Uh, I had some lessons on this before, but uh, these past three years have probably impacted me a great deal, and especially the past few months with uh, so many folks that are living and then dying. And so that aspect of life and death of the fact that you do have a choice and you can be alive at one moment and then just as suddenly with someone coming into your school, you can face death. It's an extremely sad, difficult thing for me to think about as a teacher that that kind of thing takes place, sad to say, on a regular basis here in our nation going to the grocery store, going to a concert, going to school. And those kinds of choices have impacted me a great deal. Uh, That is, uh, life and death experiences. Let me put up uh, here. Let's go over our two verses the way I would. And uh, this would be what I want all of us to be thinking about as far as the lessons uh, concerned today. So let's say this together. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Start over. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Very good. God has set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you may live. Deuteronomy 30, 19. It's Moses to the children of Israel uh, placing before them this choice of life and death, blessing and cursing, and that the the thing that takes place is you must make a choice. And I want to impress you with that this morning. You must make a choice. In fact, leaving this room this morning, you will have made a choice. You will have either chosen life, and many of us have, or you will not choose life, which is choosing death. So, don't make any mistake about it. As you're here, and you're in this room, you will be making a choice. Choosing not, not choosing life is choosing death. There is an aspect of death that we have to define here as well. Death is not your brain stop functioning, your heart stop beating, your breath not going in and out. Death is separation from the source of life itself, and that is God. God's the source of life. We run on God, we don't run on food, we don't run on other things. Human beings are designed for God. And God is the one who provides life for us. Death is being removed from that source of life. So when we speak about death, that's what we're talking about, being removed from that source of life. And here's another one that I want us to have in our lesson today. If you'd say this with me. Hebrews nine twenty. Start over, please. Hebrews 9.27 Good. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment... Hebrews 9.27 Okay, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. <clears throat> this is the chance you've got. When death takes place, when you're no longer functioning as far as this life is concerned, you'll be either in a place of eternal life or a place of eternal death. There's no opportunity after that to say, oh, just a second, I changed my mind. This is such a good place. I want to be someplace else. I want to be at the source of life. I don't want to be here where death is, eternal death. The Bible's very clear about that. Now, I say to the kids when I teach them at camp and I'll say to you, how I wish I could say that to you. How I wish I could communicate to you here that there is another opportunity after you die. You do see how hideous and awful an existence without God is. You do see the place that was reserved for fallen angels and for Satan himself, the lake of fire. And you see how hideous and awful it is. You discover that when you're there, you're fully conscious. You're not consumed. You're not burned up. It's described for us in the book of Mark as the place where the fire is not quenched and the worm never dies. Both on the outside and on the inside, you're continually renewed. So the sufferings without a living God become extremely apparent to you. We have the testimony from a person who went to this awful place. It was a rich man, a rich man who should have been taking care of the beggar Lazarus that was in front of his home. He should have been providing for him. This man was a faithless man, and so he died. Lazarus died as well. Lazarus is carried by angels to a place called paradise. The rich man is carried to an awful place of torment, and he begs. He cries out, Please send Lazarus to me. Abraham, Father Abraham. You see, the beggar Lazarus is in comfort, in delight, in paradise with this great ancestor. And so the rich man now calling across this long abyss that's between them. Send that beggar over to me with just one do- drop of water. I'm tormented in this pain. A single drop of water is all that the rich man wanted. From that little scene, you get a lot of information. In hell, you have all your senses. You can see. Send Lazarus over. You can hear. Abraham replies to him. You can touch. I'm in torment from this awful pain. Your senses are all there. You're fully aware. You're fully conscious of your situation. And there is this desire for someone else that you know and love not to be in this awful place you are. Did you know that that rich man became a missionary? If I can't get out of here, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers not to come to this awful place. No, 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 no. They have Moses and the prophets if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe someone who comes back from the dead. No, 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 they will. No, no, even if someone comes back from the dead, they won't believe. And Abraham's words are right. Someone has come back from the dead. He is alive today. He is in heaven. He is my Savior. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's come back from the dead. And people still don't believe. Let's take another uh, familiar verse here. (laughs) You all might say, man, this is a little heavy for kids. I'm not preaching to kids this morning, am I? I said have a kid's heart and mind, but I'm preaching to adults. I believe you can stand what it is that I'm saying to you. Okay, let's all say this verse together, please. And say it nice and loudly. John 3. Good. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Well, for me, uh, I was looking for something uh, that has to do with dying. And right away, my mind jumped to a die. The things that you play with uh, as far as games and that kind of thing. And I have several lessons on that with the kids that we go through (coughs) And so that's what popped into my mind right away was uh, a die, D-I-E, and then dice and that kind of thing. So several lessons are from that. So we'll just focus on this for just a moment. You guys might look in here and say the word die isn't in there. Well, you have to work at it a little bit. The word perish is there. And so if you move things around just a little bit, you will get to it. Let me move this over just a tad. There we are. Phil, that spells pie. No, 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 no. That spells die, see. So, perish, die, it's the same thing. Die, alright. So let's take that verse and let's just explore it for just a moment. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so what we do is we place it in here and we discover that the first thing is God so loved the world God so loved the world, it says, that He gave His only begotten Son. The entire world is loved by God. It's not the planet itself, it's the people on the planet. God so loved the world that He gave He gave His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The most precious thing that God could give the Lord Jesus Himself God's one and only Son. And God sent Him here to this earth to die for you and for me. God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. This awful death that we all face, this awful common denominator of everyone in the human race, it faces us all and what will happen after we die. But have... Everlasting life. Life abundantly. Life that will never end. Now, as I'm pulling this out, this will end at some point. But you just don't know when, do you? Everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How I thank God for the fact that Jesus Christ. died for me, and that he lives for me now. Praise God for such a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's one uh, thing that I would show to the kids at uh, camp, and just give them an idea. We'd take a little bit longer explanation, but I wanted you all to see the kind of thing that we would do at camp to keep the kids' attention, to keep them interested, and to help them out. We'll do another lesson uh, that is similar to that now. And Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Paul and Lolly, I so badly wanted to come and talk to you, find out everything about Piley and Jacob, Jen and the girls. I'm sorry I couldn't get back to see you. Don't leave too quickly, please, so that we can talk and uh, have a little discussion together. As I have had my thoughts about dying, and that has been affected by what happens with COVID, reaching even here into our fellowship and folks, families being affected by COVID and all that's involved in COVID, plus the uh, deaths of individuals, I started a study and look at the scripture Look at the Bible. I read in the Old Testament, read quite a bit in the Old Testament, and I read in the New Testament as well about living and dying. And for a lot of people, as they read these books, uh, this book is nothing but quite an empty book to them, that there's nothing in there as far as they're concerned that gives them information uh, if they would just read it, they don't read the scripture. And as a result, they don't know about the theme that's in the scripture, life and death. It doesn't take very long as you're looking in there to discover that there are things about life and death in there. So let's see. Here we have a die. Not just one, but I believe we got another one. Yeah, another die. And a final one. And this says, in the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis, before you get very far in Genesis at all, just in Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and again in 3.3 and then in 3.4, here's what God says, you shall surely die. And then Satan says, you will not surely die. There are these, this aspect right away as you're studying the Scriptures, you're looking in the Bible about life and death. And as a result of that, you have God presenting this choice before us. Just as I've said today, choose life that you may live. And so we have at the very beginning of the Bible this issue of life and death. You go to the end of the Bible and you'll see that there in the New Testament we have quite a bit about dying. In fact, in the book of Revelation, right away we have the Lord Jesus Christ proclaiming himself as the one that was alive, was dead, and behold, is alive forevermore. And that's what we have here. For us in this verse, Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am he who lived and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. From the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, you have in the Scripture, you have this revelation that's given to us. In fact, one could argue the entire Bible is about this issue, life and death, eternal life, eternal death. So as we consider this and as we think about it, I want us to be sure that we have in mind the fact that the Bible doesn't avoid this topic. In fact, it is thematic on the topic about this aspect of life and death. It's not only at the beginning and at the end of the scripture, but it's also, it's also in other places in the scripture. Now remember, the scripture for a lot of people is just an empty, completely empty book. But for those of us that know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, it is filled, filled with the wonderful, glorious information. And that is casting of lots. That means throwing dice. And so you have, Throwing dice being mentioned in several places in the scripture. One place is Psalm 22. It's a preview of what will take place on Calvary. The fact that there will be lots that would be thrown, dice that would be thrown for the robe of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have in Jonah the fact that you have. Lots being cast and the lot falling on Jonah. And then finally, you have lots being pictured in all four of the Gospels. The fact that the lots are thrown and that the robe of the Lord Jesus Christ is gambled for. Casting of lots. And then we have one last spot that I do want to make sure I mention to us all. And that is Purim. And you guys might say, man alive, what in the world is Purim? Purim, of course, takes place in the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, gotta make room for my die. In the book of Esther, you have the entire book hinging on the fact that dice are thrown. In fact, that's what Purim means, casting lots, throwing dice. They threw pur. That's dice. And so, as we think about the Bible, And the places where this image, this uh, visual image, comes up of dice and of die, it takes place in a lot of different places. And again, for a lot of people, the Old Testament and the New Testament seems to be just a completely empty, meaningless book. But I hope for us in the lesson today that it won't be like that. I have a way in which... The picture of dice and of death can be communicated very quickly. And I invite the kids to do this, and I'll invite you all to do it as well. All you need is a sheet of paper. And it's nice if you have a pair of scissors. You don't have to have a pair of scissors. And what you do is you take this corner and you fold it down to the edge like this. And then you take this corner and fold it down to this other spot that you've made. Then you fold the whole thing in half. So you have something that looks like this, kind of half a house. All right. Then we cut this. Or again, you can tear it if you want to. And now you're armed with an entire story. Of life and death, and I'd like to tell that story to you this morning. 2,000 years ago, there was an awful day. This day had started much earlier for the main victim that was there, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was put on trial. Uh, These trials, none of them were legitimate trials. And he was then sentenced to be crucified. And on either side of the Lord Jesus were thieves. Now, my own thought about these thieves is I think that they were planned as part, I think that Barabbas was going to be crucified on that center cross, and that these people were accomplices with Barabbas. It says very plainly in the book of John that Barabbas was a robber. And here we have the thieves being crucified on either side of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in keeping with our theme that we have here, we have two little spots that we want to make sure we emphasize That is, at the base of the cross, we have soldiers. Soldiers who have already been forgiven. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Gambling for the seamless robe of the Lord Jesus Christ. And above the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the accusation. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The priest went to Pilate and said, please don't write that. Say that he said he was King of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. Now just from a piece of paper, you've got this profound and definite image of all that took place there at that time. I want to say to you today, every single one of us is in this simple little picture that we have up here. And let me go on to explain. If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Both thieves were yelling at the Lord Jesus Christ, but from the first words that came out of the Lord Jesus Christ's mouth, one of the thieves was very moved. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And looking at the sign above the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, they could see that this man was a king. If you're really the Christ, save yourself and us, one thief says. The other one says, how can you say those things? The reason that you and I are on the cross is just. We're paying for our crimes. This man has done nothing amiss. Now to me, that speaks very deeply of the Spirit of God convicting that thief of sin. It's, a, it's an open confession. You and I are dying because of our sin. This one has done nothing wrong. And he turns to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Can you believe the faith that's coming out of that man's mouth? Here is someone that's in the same fate as he is crucified on the cross, having the same punishment inflicted upon him, and yet that thief believes what he sees above the cross of Jesus Christ a king, king of the Jews. Who is able to forgive sins. He's heard it pronounced already there this morning. Forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. Remember me. And then the Lord Jesus, without missing a beat, says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. The word of faith is all that's necessary. You've believed in me. It's like Paul saying to the jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It is the movement by faith by that thief that brings salvation to his soul and his eternity is secure because he has received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now I said all of us are pictured here. This thief has faith. And as far as we know, as far as we know, The other thief does not. Either today you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or you do not. You've received Jesus Christ as your Savior or you have not. You have an eternity that's bound for heaven or one that's bound for an awful, hideous eternity in hell. At the end of the time, to confirm the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, a terrible spear was thrust into his side. And so from this little piece of paper, we have everything that's there. I have done this with adults. (laughs) I was being interviewed by Regina V.A. there for the, I can't remember the name of the little newspaper, community newspaper now. And so I had my piece of paper and I could fold it over and I gave Regina the gospel. Sure would like to tell you that Regina received the Lord Jesus as her Savior. I don't know that. She didn't that day. Oh, I have this for kids at camp. And uh, it has Jesus died on one side and four, and then you'd write your name in there. See? so they can take that and they can put their name when they've made a commitment of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so i'd like you to take i'd like to take you now 20 years ahead in the future all right 20 years ahead in the future to a couple of kids who were at camp with uncle phil <coughs> Hey, Fred, how you doing? Great, Joe. Man, it's good to see you. you put on a little weight there, haven't you, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I guess I have. But that's okay. I'm feeling all right. Say, uh, Joe, do you remember that old fogey Uncle Phil? Man alive. What an idiot. <laughs> he may be laughing crack up, I have to admit that. Yeah, Uncle Phil, he was okay, I guess. Do you remember when he did that dice trick? He had that thing. It was so obvious how that thing worked. Everybody knew how it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Phil wasn't so hot at his magic tricks. That's true. Well, do you remember when he had the papers and he cut them up and he put them up on on the board for us and he explained to us, sure, I remember that. I remember that real well. You do, Joe? Yes, I remember it. I remember he spelled out something that was pretty important to me at the time. He spelled out this. The fact that we could have this. And I rejoiced in the fact that I could have that. He spelled out life. And he had a cross that was cut out for us. Yeah, I remember that. And I signed that. <laughs> what? Joe, you signed that thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I signed it. I've kept it in my wallet these 20 years. You want to see it? I guess. Sure, let's see it. There it is. Jesus died for Joe Smith's sin. You actually signed that thing? Yeah, because I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. You mean you didn't sign it? No, you got to be kidding me. Listen, camp's great and all that stuff, but... I got to tell you Uncle Phil's talks. They just didn't do much for me, and I, I wasn't listening about that. I was thinking about the high ropes course. I was thinking about water skiing. I was thinking about all the other things that I was going to do at camp that day or the next day. I was thinking about the pillow fights that we were planning. I was thinking about all of the things that we were doing at camp. But no, I didn't think about life and death that Uncle Phil talked about. I'm really sorry to hear that. Do you remember what else he spelled out? Well. No, I guess I don't. Well, let me help you remember so you can think about it. He took the scissors and then he cut just a little bit off one part of the letter, or one part of them, and the other part. And then he spelled out another word. Do you remember what that was, Fred? Uh, let's see. You're trying to help me, help me out here. Remembering what Uncle Phil spelled out. Uh, nope, you're gonna have to help me. Joe, uh, what else did he spell out? Well, it started with letter D. You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. He had the fact that we were going to die. Yep, that's right. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, You're going to die. Listen, you may think that. Others may think that. But I don't think that. You've got your opinion. I've got my point of view. And uh, that's just the way things are as far as I'm concerned. That you've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts. And I don't think I am going to die. Or, if I do die, I'm going to have another chance. When I see how bad hell is and how awful things are, I'll ask God to give me another chance. Uh, But you're forgetting what Uncle Phil said, that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Well, I'm not that worried about it. Maybe you ought to be worried about it. Maybe you ought to really think and consider about what it is that God wants you to do with your life, Fred. Listen, Joe, that's something that you think. But I've talked to enough people and they've told me in my adult life that a good God can't send someone off into eternal hell away from Him. That there's going to be second chances, other chances. No, that's not what Uncle Phil said. And that's not what the Bible says. It says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment and there won't be any place for you to sign your name, Fred. I'll think about what you've said. I'll think real carefully about what you've said today. You know, it's been 20 years since I've heard this message. Haven't you gone to church? No, haven't gone to church. Haven't you read the Bible? No, nope. Haven't read the Bible, haven't followed up on that. Fred, I really encourage you to. There's still the opportunity for you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, there was another word that Uncle Phil spelled out that day. I hope you remember it. It's not something we like to dwell on. It's not something that is very popular. It's a topic that people want to avoid. But this is what was said by Uncle Phil. If you don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it's not so important that it was said by Uncle Phil. What's important is what the Bible says. The Bible says if we don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We'll go to this place. Are you trying to scare me, Joe? No, I'm not trying to scare you. Not in any way trying to scare you. What I'm trying to do is tell the truth, and that is, if we don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have an awful eternity in a place called hell. I've prayed about this sermon this morning, this lesson. I know I'm talking to some that have never received the Lord Jesus as their Savior, And I'm asking that the Spirit of God would communicate and communicate clearly to you the need to choose. Now, with kids at camp, they'll often come up to me and they'll say, Uncle Phil, I asked Jesus to be my Savior last year at camp. And I asked him again. I want to make sure. And See, there's nothing wrong with that. That is someone giving their assent to the Lord Jesus Christ at that particular age. And then they just want to tighten it up and make sure that they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. As they get older, we can start to explain to them, you're in the family of God now. It's like coming up to your father and asking, am I really in the family when you're two years old? Yes, you're in the family. You're five years old. Am I really in the family? Yes, you're really in the family. <clears throat> am I really in the it's, it's like Coco, my little uh, adopted grandson. You know What's he going to do? In the years to come, is he going to say to his mother and father, am I really in your family? Yes, you've been adopted into our family. See, here's your certificate. It says right here, Coco Mikely, you're in our family. And then when he's 10, am I really in this family? 15, am I really in this family? If he continues with that, he's doubting the love and commitment of his parents as opposed to the immaturity of himself. And that's how we would explain it to little children as they go along. It's perfectly fine for you to make sure that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guess I'll real gently say that to everyone here. Make your faith and calling sure in the Lord Jesus Christ. If today is a day of recommitment, if today is a day of saying, Lord, thank you for saving me from that awful place of hell, and giving to me eternal life through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to praise you that I'm a child of God. Now, for anyone here who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ. Do that today. Don't delay. Don't wait. I said as you leave here, You will have made a choice. No, no, no. I didn't make a choice for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. You did not. It is like the thief in the cross. We don't know, oh, how wonderful it will be when we get to heaven and this gentleman comes up to me and he says, I was the other thief. (laughs) You didn't know, but in my heart and mind, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And all those illustrations, they were all messed up, but you did the best you could. Boy, that'll be a wonderful moment. But as far as we know, that of a thief never received the Lord Jesus Christ, he made a choice, as far as we know, by not publicly receiving the Lord Jesus as his Savior, moving by faith. If you're not a believer, become one today. This message is ridiculous. Are you kidding me, Phil? You didn't open the Bible once. You're giving me a little kid's message designed for eight and nine year olds. And you expect me, a mature adult, with all the responsibilities and knowledge that I have to swallow that? Yes, I am. I'm as confident as Paul was with the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Thanks for your attention. Now, normally I'd have a quiet seat and I'd pull it out and I'd give you five Jolly Ranchers if your name were pulled out. I don't have enough Jolly Ranchers for everyone here today. <laughs> and then we'd also have a review afterwards and I'd ask the kids about the Stuff like that. And we'd throw some candy out. Thanks for entering back into this aspect of being a child today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the confidence that uh, we have in preaching this gospel message. The confidence comes from the fact that you're the author of the gospel. That this good gift of salvation And the perfection of that gift has come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is neither shadow nor variableness. And so today, dear God, we with absolute confidence preach this gospel message that by faith in Jesus Christ we can have eternal life. By not having faith, we have the awful alternative. Dear Lord, may the Spirit of God guide and direct, help and enable in connection with this uh, simple little thought today. Father, how precious it has been over the years to have people uh, come to you and say, Phil, I was at VBS and I received Jesus Christ as you gave the message. (laughs) Just there at camp, Lord, one of the workers came up to me and said that he had received Christ as Savior. What a privilege it is to minister in the gospel. And I would pray today that uh, that same kind of testimony could be born here, that someone would be able to say, yeah, on that day when you cut the pieces of paper apart, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I understood. I understood the issues, and I received Christ. I just commit this to you, Thank you. Uh, Thank you for the Sunday school teachers. Bless them. Thank you for the children that are there in their classes. And then, Lord, we sincerely, deeply do bring camp before you. Bless the camp. Uh, Bless Jeremy as he directs uh, the portion that he has uh, with our kids as he monitors, as the counselors are out there. Help the kids to have a safe time, Lord. Uh, Help them to have real success in the things that they do. And then, Lord, may the Spirit of God speak to hearts and minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you.